You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, Carlisle. In Ecclesiastes, we discover that a life spent in pursuit of pleasure, achievement, and control will ultimately leave us empty-handed. Life isn't about what we can obtain, but about what we already have, and learning to receive it from God with gratitude. Welcome to Ecclesiastes, life as gift, not gain. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. So uh, I want to begin by just thanking Pastor James and Pastor Nick and Christina for the opportunity to open up God's Word with you today. Uh, We're going to continue our series through Ecclesiastes. So today we're going to be talking about the better path. All right. So, but so we're going to talk about the better path. But for Christina and I, this is a special day. We love uh, Sojourn Carlisle. Uh, Carlisle has a long history in, our, in her family. She was a member here growing up. The first time I met her whole family was in the fellowship hall. So it is, is near and dear to our heart. And in addition, to, in addition, part of the core group sent from Sojourn Midtown to start this new chapter of Sojourn Carlisle was our community group, which was instrumental in sending us overseas to serve in the marketplace currently. So you are not... You are not You all are not just a church. You're a group of sent ones for this community. So moving on to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is known as the book for the man without the Bible. So if you look at the terms in Ecclesiastes, they're terms that are used throughout the scriptures, but there's a lot that are in other books that are not used in Ecclesiastes so that we typically run into. So it addresses topics such as birth, death, relationships, things all of us encounter no matter our knowledge of the scriptures. Today, we'll focus our hearts and minds on wisdom and foolishness, two concepts we recognize daily in our lives and in the world. This idea of people not knowing the scriptures, but feeling and knowing the effects of sin, right? But not knowing the remedy for the brokenness motivates and drives my wife and I to the ends of the earth in Asia. Let's pray together and then we'll look at God's word. Father, we thank you that we have hope in the gospel as we sing those songs. What should warm our hearts is that Jesus defeated the grave, that he is the wise man who defeated the grave, that he was resurrected by the power of God. And so therefore, we don't have to continue to live foolish lives, but we can become wise. And we can become wise because of Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would take your word today and, Lord, that you would transform us Father, I pray that we would be able to look at our hearts and we'd be able to see, Jesus, how can you change me? How can you change me in the way that I relate to my family and the people that I work with and my community? Lord, we trust that you can take your word as you have in our lives and you can continue to shape us more into the image of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my parents instructed me not to play around the car. They said, don't play on this side of the car, don't play on this side of the car, and don't play above the car. So you might say, above the car? What's going on here? The car was in the garage. And so growing up, the garage had exposed bars that for any young boy, it's very enticing, right? The temptation, those are some monkey bars ready for me to test my strength. So, but being a young boy, I despised my parents' instruction. And you know what I did? I got up on those bars and I was monkeying around. And this car was not just any car. This was a muscle car. 
This was my dad's first car he had ever been given, and it was a 66 Chevelle soft top convertible. Yeah, right. So it's a, it's a, it was a, right now it's a a car that's worth like $54,000. So I didn't know that at that point uh, in my life that it was that important, but I, I soon found out how important it was to my dad, right? So there I was hanging from the bars above the car and all of a sudden my hand slipped and I ripped the soft top convertible. Probably one of the lowest points of my life, right? So on that day, I was remembered as the fool. This is foundational to our topic today. I want us to recognize life outside of Eden, as we've seen in Ecclesiastes, is marked by foolishness. Not just what you read in today's passage, but inside each and every one of us. Thankfully, the gospel gives us hope to become wise. Let's get together, find out where wisdom can be found. Our passage today is inviting us to follow the better path, wisdom. In our passage today, in verse 15, we notice two key truths which shape our understanding of the story. So let me summarize the story. Solomon says, he says, there's something, something was greatly impressed me, right, when he saw this. And the story goes, there was a great king, and he came on this small city, and he captured this city, right? And it says that he built huge siege works, so he was trying to demonstrate his strength to the people, But then there's a turn in the story. It says that there was found a man. It wasn't just any man. It says that he was a poor, wise man. And then it tells us the key truth here is that wisdom saved the city. So I don't know know about you, but that really was unexpected because we just saw that the strong man with his what? His strength had delivered the city. But it says it was by his wisdom. And then it goes on. So it says, but there there was found in it, the city, a poor, wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Now get this. Yet no one remembered him. The poor wise man is forgotten. So both of these points share something in common. Irony, right? It's not what we expect. And so a man delivers the city by wisdom, not strength. He's forgotten and not remembered. Each of these elements of the story, are, as I said, are unexpected. Most stories we read today have a hero who saves the day, and the next day he's in the paper. Most of the, most of the movies that we watch with a hero. Some might say it's depressing, right, if you're following along with me. At times in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're encouraged to drink, eat, and enjoy the good gifts that God has given us. But the hard truth we encounter today and throughout Ecclesiastes causes us to lament the state of our world. A world where wise, where the wise are despised and foolish are remembered. To support this truth, if we go back to the uh, from our passage from last week in verse eleven, brings into focus the concept of time and chance. Life outside of Eden is full of strong and foolish leaders who get more pressed than the poor wise man who is forgotten. So, before we move on, I want to pose a question to you. Are you okay not being remembered? Let that sink in. Are you okay not being remembered? So from the early days of elementary school, we're encouraged to do our best so that we can get academic achievement, right? Or maybe you're someone who likes sports and we were encouraged to get that physical fitness award. I know that was me. And so, or as we reach adulthood, we want to be the employee of the month. Who wants to be the employee of the month? Raise your hand, right? We all want to do good at our job. But 
Sometimes the the lesser deserving person is the one who actually gets the award. And so we're not recognized. Naturally, we don't like being overlooked or not recognized for the value we bring to our family, work, or neighborhood. Nevertheless, outside of Eden, things are not the way they're meant to be. Specifically in this passage, wisdom is overlooked. Although the hard truth of the suffering of the wise man is hard to hear, it's challenging to hear, there is hope for wisdom to prevail in our lives as we are united to Christ, the wisdom of God. So if the wise are not remembered under the sun, then who is remembered? Chapter 10 illustrates the person who is remembered, the fool. So this this is going to get comical. This will get fun. So the fool is remembered in three ways. So I'm going to name those three ways. The foolishness of arrogance and pride, the foolishness of haste, and the foolishness of reckless words. So let's read uh, in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 3. It says, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. Psalm 14.1 says, Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The fool only has eyes for himself. If you're walking on the road and you see this person, are you going to ask them for advice? You're not going to ask them for advice because they don't even know where they're going, right? They don't even have a plan in life. They're a fool as it explains. So life is all about them. Fools are the type of people who live to make their name great, not God's. So this reminds me of one of my favorite Disney movies, Robin Hood the cartoon. So the scene begins where Robin Hood and Little John are sitting in a tree and they see Prince John's caravan go by, right? If you remember the story, he's, he's going by and they're like, how can we trick Prince John? And Prince John is not a, he's not a nice guy, right? He, he robs from the poor to, you know, to feed the rich. And so, so that, that's, his, that's his MO. That's what he's known for. And so Robin Hood, as, this, you know, as the scene goes on, all of a sudden you see Robin Hood and Little John are dressed up as fortune tellers. So they say, fortune tellers, fortune tellers. And Prince John's like, oh, I got to know how great I am. Tell me what's going to happen in my life, right? And so next thing you know, Robin Hood's sitting across from Prince John and they have the crystal ball. And Robin Hood says, I see a charming man, right? We all like hearing that. I see a handsome man. I see, I see someone who's going to be remembered. I see somebody and Prince John is going to have a crown on his head. And Prince John said, I knew it. The fool has no doubt he is great. Meanwhile, Robin Hood and Little John are stealing his treasure right out from underneath his nose. In the end, Prince John was remembered as the fool. I imagine the story got around to all the villagers who had a good laugh at the expense of poor Prince John. So as we said at the beginning, wisdom is despised and foolishness is remembered. Next point, foolishness of haste. 10 verses, uh, chapter 10, verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them and he who splits logs is endangered by, by them. So this may take a moment for you to just kind of to let this sink in because we've got, we've got some wisdom literature here that we're working through. But what we see is the careful, deliberate person 
is not remembered. Who's remembered? It's the person who's trying to tear down a wall and they're not looking behind it or looking to see if there's any danger and the snake bites them. So the person who's deliberate, the person who does their, their, their due diligence is not remembered. So um, I have a story from uh, Asia where there was, a, there was a young man who came to, to visit with us and his name is Miles. And in Miles, and, and um, excuse me, um, and in the, in the Himalayas, right, where, we were, where they were driving, rocks fall off the mountain all the time. So it's not uncommon for you to be driving down the road and you've got to swerve and you've got to miss these rocks. So Miles was riding with one of my friends and my friend said, Miles, Miles is about 20 years old. Miles, he says, Miles, can you move that rock? And Miles is like, oh yeah, I got that. I can move that rock. And he, gets out of the, he jumps out of the vehicle and before he recognizes it, you know, he goes and he gets the rock and he begins to throw it down the hill and he doesn't recognize that there's a village at the bottom of the hill. He didn't take the time to look at his surroundings and understand um, that, there was da- that, that he could cause harm to others. And because of haste, he was remembered as the fool. And so Solomon is saying, this is, this is the picture of a fool. This is not wisdom, right? The, the contrast, this is not wisdom. What we see in Prince John is not wisdom. This is not a wise person. So again, we see that foolishness, we see the foolishness of a reckless tongue. So verses 13 through 14. You see the progression here, right? It says, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. At the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will come after him? So the fool is like a broken pipe, right? There's this progression, like the water doesn't stop because the pipe is broken. And it's the same thing with the fool's mouth. He just keeps talking, right? He just can't stop because... Um, Going back to Psalm 14, he doesn't believe in God. Although the words of a fool are foolish to everyone, he or she keeps multiplying their words, even to the point where the fool thinks they know the future. They're like, I know what's going to happen. So last week, a friend told me a story that illustrates this very well. He put his, he put his rental property on the market put it on social media, made his advertisement, right? Waiting to get that call. Somebody's going to call. I'm going to rent this house out. All my hard work's going to pay off. And he gets this peculiar call from someone, excuse me, and they're asking about an application fee. And he's like, I didn't, there's no application fee. There's no information about an application fee on this advertisement. So he asks the person a little bit more, begins to inquire, and he realizes somebody has taken his information off of the internet, right, and has created another advertisement and is using his house for their gain. So being clever as he is, he gets the guy's number and he calls him. He's like, hey, I hear you got this house on the market. I'd love to see it. I'd love to know more about the house. And the man, and he's trying to get him to meet him at the house. And the man's like, well, you know, I can't meet you. You got to send your application fee in first, right? Got to get your 60 bucks or hundred bucks or whatever it was. And so he keeps going on and on. And eventually my friend says, I own the house. He's caught the fool, right? And the fool's like, no, you don't. He's like, yes, I own the house. Begins to give more details about the house. And then he says, he says, the fool denies it, right? And he says, uh, my friend tells him, I'm going to call the cops. And the fool says, I'm going to call the cops on you. So you see the progression of when people are acting foolish, they'll say anything. And so here we see the, on, that, on that day, he was remembered as the fool. 
the foolishness of reckless words. So from these three points, I want to admonish us to beware of the person who always, always wants to talk about themselves, right? They don't have any interest in you. They only want to talk about themselves. Beware of the person who admits, who can't admit that they're wrong. They're always looking to justify or to defend whatever they've done that's hurt somebody or offended someone. Beware of the person who always has an excuse. Well, it was their fault. It wouldn't have happened if this wouldn't have happened. So these are, these are just examples of what a foolish person does. Beware of the person who thinks they know everything, even the future. So up until this point, the fool has given us many things to remember. Now I want to draw our attention to Solomon's reflection on the difference between the great king's approach and the poor wise man's approach. So lean in with me. He makes the following profound statement in Ecclesiastes 9.16. Wisdom is better than strength. If you leave with anything today, if I've left with anything from this, as I've studied this passage, wisdom is better than strength. Because tomorrow you'll wake up and say, I can do anything. I can make that happen, right? I can push that person out of the way. But wisdom tells us, let's choose a better path. So the remainder of our time together, will answer the question, why be wise if I'll be despised? So beginning with the wisdom of our words, Ecclesiastes 9.17 says, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of ruler, ruler among fools. So you see the contrast here that he's drawing. Solomon has observed the wise person is calm and gentle, sometimes living in obscurity. The wise do not need the attention of others, but if called upon, they will speak. So what are we to expect when a wise person speaks? Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. If you are a wise person, you bring healing, not destruction. You bring life, not death. Wisdom spoken from the wise brings healing. This is the contrast to the fool whose tongue is like a sword. Solomon is on to something, isn't he? Often our relationships experience conflict because we have not learned to tame our tongue. James 3.9 addresses this. It says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Referring to the tongue. This reminds me of an assignment uh, my wife and I were given by our sending organization. I would encourage you to uh, take this assignment as well. It's called the tongue assignment. It's a, purposeful, it's a purposeful exercise to draw attention to the need to tame the tongue. So how do we do it? How do we tame our tongue, right? All right, if you're with me and you want to tame your tongue, how do we do it? So this exercise entails taking inventory of your words. For an entire week, I want you to think about what words you speak. So at the end of the day, I want you to review what words have you spoken today, all right? Have you used your mouth to bless people or to curse people? There's one story as, as I've been learning about this assignment through our organization that there was one person who was at a, a training and he said, I did it. I did it completely. I didn't say anything bad. I didn't gossip. I didn't compare myself to anybody else, right? I didn't make myself feel better, right? Um, I didn't justify myself in any way. And they're like, how did you do it? He must be a wise man, right? 
He said, I haven't spoken since you gave me the assignment. And they said, well, the point of the exercise is not just not to say negative, critical um, things to people, but it's what? Let's go back to the passage. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. If you aren't opening your mouth, how can you praise God? If you aren't opening your mouth, how can you build others up? And so there's the tension that's there that we need to learn to tame our tongues. So where in your life do you need to take inventory regarding the words that you speak? All of us would benefit from time to time by slowing down and addressing patterns of speech characterized more by tearing down than building up. And I don't speak to you as someone who has great patterns of speech. I have plenty of examples of foolishness of when I've said something that I wish I could have taken back. But thankfully, I continue to grow in becoming a wise person and understanding how I can bless others uh, with the way that I speak. So now, the wisdom of humility. This is probably, as I think about wisdom, as I think about what the Lord has done in my life in in the last several years, this is the point that really hits home for me. It's the wisdom of humility. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So look at that. Draw your attention to he listens to advice. The organization that my wife and I are a part of, I heard this story and I thought it was incredible. The story goes, the the way it was started was a husband and wife were having a conversation. They were having a conflict and... um, the husband, he was a pastor at the time, through that conversation realized that he wasn't a good listener. He wasn't listening to his wife. And there were several steps that took place, but eventually because of that moment where he realized, I need Jesus, I need the gospel applied to every area of my life, right? It was, it was because of that, it was, just, it was in that fashion that the organization started. So like the roots are a man realizing that he's not a good listener and that he needs to let Jesus change his heart. So willingness to learn and listen is, is, is a characteristic of the wise man. So a wise person is one who recognizes the need for community. It's someone who is willing to listen to others and be heard. He's also somebody who's willing to learn from others. Unlike the, the foolish man in Chapter 10, verse 3, who walks alone, the wise man walks with others. God puts us in each other's lives to serve each other by listening and learning from one another. Humility is cultivated as we are vulnerable with others. Weakness is an avenue to find strength, not in ourselves, but in Christ. Community groups are designed with this purpose in mind. Some of our greatest memories, my wife and I, of being a member of Sojourn Midtown are the relationships that we developed in our community group. And when we went overseas at that time, our community group was part of Sojourn Midtown. And during that time that we were overseas, Sojourn Carlisle was planted and our community group was sent here. And so those relationships that we developed right? Where we, where we listen to one another, where we cried with one another, where we learn from one another. Those are the people that make up this church. And we're really grateful for that. And so community group are designed for that purpose in mind, for us to be able to grow in humility by listening and learning from one another. 
As a sent one, we sign up to be a learner and a listener. The foundational element of living and thriving in another culture is to be a student of both the language and the culture. I think most of us can grasp why we would want to learn the language, right? Most of us want to learn the language so that we can speak to people, right? It says, how are they going to hear if a preacher isn't sent in Romans? In Romans chapter, in Romans chapter 10, we've got to be able to speak. But there's another piece that's really important. If you don't know how to listen, you won't understand the culture. So for us, as sent ones, it's, it's vital for us to be able to be, a, to be a good listener and to be ready to learn. So how do we become a, list, a learner and a listener? We develop a humble heart. We learn to ask good questions and be mindful of our surroundings. Only by seeking to be a learner can you understand the way people in a particular culture think and act. Here's an example. We, had a, we have a wise sage in Asia who has been our language teacher for almost two years, and he's coached us on how to build relationships in a culturally appropriate way in that country. What he told us was to move slowly. Some of us in this room, we walk into a room and we're like, we're ready. I want to meet everybody in the room. And then you got other people who are like, I think I'm just going to take my time, right? I meet one person and slowly we move in. So, um, and so when you, go to, when you go to another culture, you have to learn, how do I build a relationship? So we had a friend who came to visit with us. So he came to visit and he was eager to get to know the community. He was eager to get to know our friends. So we took him to our church as we gathered together. And before the end of the Sunday service, he had met, he had met several people within the church and he had scheduled visits to their homes with them. So he just hit the ground, right? He is, he is working, he is ready to network, loves connecting with people. Upon arriving back at our house, he asked me if I knew the people he met. I said, no, I haven't met them yet. So we've been at the church maybe for six months, maybe three months. I don't recall exactly. And he said, when I said no, he commented, I know more people in your church than you do. However, we learned in that culture, building relationships, having deep, meaningful connections takes an investment of time and patience. So it helps us to return to the wisdom of humility, being able to learn from somebody else, being able to change the way that we interact with others based upon who they are. Returning to our victorious yet forgotten wise man, the wise man understood the imperative nature of being a listener and learner. Finally, we land at wisdom, the wisdom of attentiveness, our final point today. So we've already read Ecclesiastes 10, 8 through 9. And in that verse, we're reminded of the value of being aware of our surroundings and our circumstances. If the, if the, if the person here were, um, were being aware, was being attentive, he wouldn't have got bit by the snake, right? So in parenting, we instruct our kids, there's hot water on the stove, don't run in the house, right? For my, for my son, who's um, he's, he's 18 months, feet first, right? Every parent knows that. Feet first, not head first, or you're going to have a problem. So for animal lovers, don't leave food on the counter, Right? So there's a, you know, don't leave the door open or you're going to have to go find your dog. So many of us are attentive in our daily tasks and responsibilities, but when it comes to relationships, we're not attentive. We're like the man in verse eight who breaks down the wall, but doesn't realize a snake is present. 
So we need to be attentive to others' feelings. Prior to moving overseas, our mentor, Stu, told us a story which was transformative for me. The story goes, Stu's daughter was in a car accident. It was a pretty traumatic car, car accident for her, as the story goes. She recovered from it, eventually was willing to get back in a car with him, or get in, get in a car, sorry, uh, rather. They were out to a restaurant, and they went to the restaurant, had a great time together. And then, it, you know, after, the, after, the dinner, after dinner was over, they drove out of the parking lot, and accidentally, Stu hit the curb. And his daughter reacted in a way that you would expect because she had been in a traumatic car accident. And so she was upset at him. And so what Stu told us is that he didn't try to justify himself. He didn't try to, um, he, he didn't try to justify himself or defend himself. He understood how it made his daughter feel. So why do I tell you that today? He was able to apologize to his daughter and ask for forgiveness. Like I said, he didn't get defensive. If we, learn to become, if, if we learn how to become wise like Stu, our relationships would be deeper and healthier. At my previous job, I worked in, a commu- I worked in commission sales. So um, every, every, every beating heart, right, is, is, is potentially a sale. And so in an environment like that, you have a lot of conflict. You have a lot of, you have a lot of misunderstandings. And so I'm a go-getter. And so I was doing my best to sell cars, make money to, to take care of my family, Right? And so, I, you, know, you know, you all know the phrase, you snooze, you lose. This mindset or attitude got me a reputation. When I heard of a grievance someone had with me, I would say, we're okay. Taking their concern lightly. I said it so often, my friend sarcastically would say, I bet you're okay. After hearing, after hearing Stu's story, I became more attentive to others' feelings. And it has lessened my pattern of sin making excuses, justifying, and getting defensive. I've seen Jesus help me to grow in wisdom. In any relation, we would be wise to take more care in how we relate to others. It was a short lesson about bumping into a curve, changed my life, most, per- most importantly, my heart. From that moment on, I began to see things with more clarity and continue growing and being more attentive to others. Let's grow together to be more attentive to the feelings of others and return, in return, love others well. So to close, each of us today from hearing God's word has an opportunity to grow in wisdom by being a person who is humble, attentive to others, and speaks words that heal and restore. So today a picture has been painted of a foolish life and a wise life. I want to leave you with this quote. Paul David Tripp, speaking on wisdom, says, Where is wisdom to be found? It is hard for us to gain wisdom by research and experience because they're filtered and interpreted by our foolish hearts. It is here where the Bible greets us with a radical, counterintuitive message. You can't buy wisdom. You can't get it by hard work or lots of experience. No, wisdom is a result of rescue and relationship. So verse nine, or chapter nine, verse 15, but there was found in it a poor wise man and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. 
As we close today, I want you to be reminded to be a wise person, we have to be rescued by Jesus. We have to have a relationship with him where we're growing and asking him, make me a wise person. And as we grow in wisdom, we don't point people towards us and say, look how wise I am, or look at this foolish moment that I've, that I've made. Who do we point them to? We point them to Christ. We point them to Christ who is the wisdom of God. Colossians 2, 3 says of Jesus, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Jesus, the poor wise man, has come to dwell among us to make us wise, even though we will be despised. Pray with me. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr., lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.